0: Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. The numbers told the story, they always do. This
1: is a numbers game with Gil Alexander on Visa. He's one of those idiots who believe in analytics.
2: Hour number two of a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network, Visa.com, the Visa app, Fubo, Game Plus, iHeartRadio, YouTube TV, Baton Rouge. Shout out to Baton Rouge. It's Gil Alexander, Brian Ortega. In for Jeff Parlay this morning, still to come this hour, Paul Sporer on baseball. Got to talk to him about Fernando Tatis. Good Lord. Talk about just torpedoing your team. We'll talk to him about that and more. Major League Baseball, get his thoughts. Uh, DFS and betting-wise today on the Major League Baseball slate. Uh, we'll also hear from JVT, a little NBA talk. We haven't talked about the NBA in forever. Only, we'll do we'll do 10 minutes talking about these rumors, see where JVT stands on all of them. KD and beyond. And uh, Wes Reynolds here momentarily to talk golf with us Um Got to ask him where this uh, Sepstraka shot ranks for him. Just the, uh, just, the just miserable decision making. Well, maybe he doesn't even think it was a decision. I don't know. We get tweets, though, at Beating the Book. Uh, this is from Rob Wirt. He said, Hey, Gil, was listening to PGA on Sirius yesterday when Willie Z hit that shot that bounced on the bricks five or six times. Not sure who the announcer was, but he described it as Plinko. Made me smile and think the announcer might be a uh, closet, a numbers game fan. Maybe so. Felt very Plinko-ish. That was an act of God that that ball did not go in
3: the water. It was. Because, like, it bounced on on the brick, on the brick again, and then back down. Like, it didn't land on any grass.
2: If you tried to do that 10,000 more times, you could not. Absolutely not. Roger Jones on Twitter said, I believe preseason Marvel is most apt for P.J. Walker. What did I say? Preseason Juggernaut? Yeah. Yeah, preseason Marvel's good, too. Wes Reynolds, ladies and gentlemen, is the glue that holds this whole operation together. He's the co-host of the greatest golf show there ever was, Long Shots, and uh, coming to a screen near you soon. Wes, how you doing, man?
1: Good morning, Gil. How are you?
2: I'm doing very well. You were the guy I wanted to talk to, first of all, for a couple reasons. One, selfishly, let me just sort of say thank you to you for giving me a nice uh, run at it this weekend. I was in in my one-and-done with Kelly and Matt at primetime. I had available to me John Rahm, Sam Burns, Um, who was the, I can't even remember who the, who the fourth one was, but, but Colin Morikawa was there. And, uh, who was the fourth? I don't even remember now, but it was another big name. And in the end, you sort of pushed me over the top yesterday, uh, last week with our conversation, you said, you have a feeling about Morikawa, man, at one point, two strokes back and, and Burns was fading, fading, pardon me. I almost had a chance to pull this out. It was not to be, but thank you for anyway for, for the recommendation. So thank you, first of all, for that. You were almost dead on you had Willie Z. Congratulations to you on that.
1: Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, very lucky as you and Brian were talking about in the lead into the segment. Uh, you know, it was really Steph Strachan that was getting all the breaks. And, and I was watching the playoff after we had finished our afternoon show on Sunday afternoon right here on Beeson and I stayed and watched the playoff. Uh, didn't want to drive home from the book. So, I'm looking and seeing Sepp Straka get all these breaks, and he got the break actually on the second playoff hole where he pulls his drive dead left with the water there and is able to avoid it just barely, actually takes an unplayable lie and a penalty shot and goes ahead and makes a four there. So, I'm like, man, Sepp Straka is just getting the breaks here, and he had gotten them all afternoon. And then the biggest break of ball came to be Will Zalatoris, where it bounces on the concrete. And uh, I got to say, and I got to give a hat tip. I know Zalatoris is getting all the praise. But Joel Stock, who is his new caddy, first time on the bag with him this week. He was last with Cameron Tringali and was with Ben Crane, his college buddy from Oregon, for many years. Will Zalatoris was tempted to hit that shot, that second shot on that par three uh, off the concrete. And he said, no, dude, just pick it up. Take your iron, you know, you've been sticking your wedges all week and you were number one on strokes gained approach go back to the tee, and he sticks it, you know, within a few feet and then makes the putt, which the 48-footers had kind of been Zalatoris' bugaboo really all season if you look at those putting rankings. But that's what having a pro caddy does. So credit to Joel Stock on Zalatoris' bag.
2: Yeah, you know, for me, Joel Stock played it, you know, he said the only thing that he should have, right, because Zalatoris was the one who was like, what are you, like, don't don't even think about doing this. So I I don't – I'm, I, I get what you're saying. For me, the bigger thing was, and this is what I really wanted to ask you was, okay, so, so Zalatoris does the whole Plinko thing on the concrete. He stays dry. At that point, Sepp Straka, right? Everybody's like, okay. We'll just go to the fat part of the green and play this safe. And instead he goes in the drink. Was that a mental gaff or was that a just horrible execution? Where, where do you land on that?
1: Yeah, I, I think it was a little bit of both because, uh, you know, obviously, when Zalatoris goes into the wall, it's like, okay, just hit the green and at least keep three in play. He goes in the water, and then he has to take the drop, and then he overhits it, the third shot, to the right rear greenside bunker. So, I think at that point, you know, there was no decision, like you were saying, with Zalatoris yeah. to go ahead and pick up that ball and go back to the tee, because you know this guy's going to make five at, at the bear. You know, the 100%. best he's going to do is make five. Yeah. So, You know, go in there and see if you can stick a shot and then make your putt. If you two putt, worst case scenario, you're going to make a five and you're going to go to the next playoff hole. So good job by both of those guys. Look, sometimes you just got to take advantage of your opponent's mistakes. And that's what Zalatoris did.
2: No doubt. No doubt about it. Congratulations to Will Zalatoris for finally getting it done. Now, as we, as we look ahead, BMW this week, and then there's the whole FedEx cup matter. You're still not betting the FedEx Cup now with two weeks left. Let's just sort of rehash that for a second. For those who don't know, it's the BMX. Then it is the Tour Championship. And, and the, the last one, the third, is the staggered one where whoever's in the points lead is at 10 under. Second place will be at 8 under, 7 under, so on and so forth. And right now, Willie Z and Scotty Scheffler up towards the top. So no interest in betting the two, what now in effect is a two-tournament arc.
1: Yeah, I've got to wait to see it get repriced, though, because just before we came on the air here, Cameron Smith, who is third in the FedEx Cup, and he had uh, quite a bit of controversy this weekend, uh, which we can get into if you want. But he is currently number three in the standings. He has withdrawn from the BMW championship this week uh, due to what him and his agent are putting out as a hip injury. Mm -hmm. So. You know, I don't, I don't want to say, you know, cast Spurges on that and say that they're not telling the truth, but maybe there's a little bit of aggravation there because, of course, what happened yesterday, Cameron Smith was two shots back, uh, got a penalty, which was the right call by the rule, and they put the video evidence out there, did the PGA Tour. Yes. However, they did it 30 minutes before his round was going to start on Sunday. So all of a sudden, you're two shot back, and now you're four shots back and, you know, it gives the, you know, illusion or whatever. And I don't think that this was the case from the PGA tour. I don't think there was anything nefarious, but it gives the illusion that it's like, okay, we know that this guy is going over to live golf. So, you know, we're going to jam him a little bit out the door and people are going to think that.
2: Yeah. So I, I led the whole show with this. And I'm I'm fascinated by the whole story. I brought up the Lexi Thompson deal five years ago. Do you remember that, Mm -hmm. Wes? Where it was Mm -hmm. like, remember, in those days, a fan called it in and she got docked doubly because she signed the wrong scorecard. Thankfully, the tour got rid of those two rules. But I guess for me is, and then I also alluded to what you just did, which is, okay, he's going to live. People are going to think there's a, consp- you know, a conspiracy to, to show him up and not let him be number one in the world and all that. I'm more concerned about the gambling implication. Do you feel, as I do, that they need to standardize this? I don't know if it's and I don't care what it is. Well, I, I kind of do care what it is like. It it needs to be same day. There needs to be. It's like by the time you sign your scorecard in a given round or by midnight that night, like th- it should be adjudicated within that window. Right. We can't have this the next day.
1: No, I'm with you. I think that there does need to be a standard process, uh, not just for the gaming, but also the integrity of the game. But we could get back to the gaming Sports betting is a lot different than it was last year or even five years yeah. ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago because simply put, you have more providers in the space and you have this getting legal in jurisdictions across the country. So what has happened is. Now this is a competition. They are competing for business, whether it's BetMGM, whether it's DraftKings or FanDuel or Bet or Caesars, list any other provider across the country, and they are competing for business. So what we've seen in recent years, there have been some controversies in terms of calls or you know, something that could kind of maybe jam a better or give a better a tough beat or a tough break. And you've seen a lot of these providers, and I'm not gonna tell them how to run their businesses. There's a reason they're running those businesses, but they're more inclined to say, "Okay, we're going to pay this out, even though our house rules say that we don't have to pay this out. So that's what they're doing. So then all the other books are like, well, they're paying out. We got to keep up with the Joneses. And, you know, we could get into another discussion another time. Is that creating an entitlement for the better thinking every time I get a bad call? I deserve to get my refund or I deserve to get paid out. And that's not necessarily the case, but you do need that transparency. I think because sometimes when you're a better, you're going to get a bad ruling against you. Every UFC card. There's a bad judge's decision. (laughs)
2: Everyone that doesn't mean you
1: get paid. So, Yeah, you have to have transparency if you're going to be in bed with these betting providers and and these sports books, which the PGA Tour is now. That's right. You've got to be more upfront about this.
2: Yeah, and I I mentioned that, and I mentioned the fact that yeah, golf, the very thing that makes it such a great sport to bet on. Big pool for over four days. That's why you can't give refunds. This is not a mano a mano one team right. versus another team kind of thing. So it really, like, I totally get why the sports books d- can't refund. It's it's not that uh, it's not that clean. Last thing, and again, we I didn't necessarily mean to talk about this again, but it is a fascinating subject to me, which is I, I pointed out. Let's say that violation happened yesterday, right? Let's say it happens on the final round, and let's say that it alters you know, first place, give me the betting line on the PGA being consistent about that. And today on a Monday, after the purse has been distributed, after the trophy has been raised doing what they did fourth round vis-a-vis third round, like the Well, I guess
1: guess they could be like the NFL where it's like, okay, we're going to review and we're going to send the apology. Now, you know, that doesn't change, you know, what the NFL and the NBA does for that. So yeah, you know, they're probably very fortunate that Cameron Smith kind of faded a little right. bit late in the round, because if he was one shot back, you'd yep. have a lot of people squawking this
2: morning. 100%. The chances of them having done the answer to that, to doing anything about that today, if it Slim was yesterday, would be plus a bajillion. Like, it just it would never happen. Thank you, Wes. Appreciate it. You bet, Gil. Thank you. My man, Wes Reynolds. Coming back with Brian Ortega now. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Hey, he That's my my game, <laughs> <laughs> a numbers
1: game
5: with Gil Alexander on Sin, the sports betting network.
2: Back on a numbers game, it's Gil Alexander, Brian Ortega in for Jeff Parlay. Um, a couple other things about football, real quick. And I'm. Um, well, first of all, Dallas Cowboys 17 penalties. Did you see this?
3: I did, yes. They had Mid, 100- mid-season form.
2: Mid-season, that's right. Otherwise known as mid-season form. They had 141 penalties last year, most in the NFL. 17. Now are you more annoyed at the Cowboys level of play or that the refs called 17? Cuz so I think that should be asked also.
3: I don't I don't I think the refs calling said, but I'd rather it now than in the than in the in the uh, regular how, season. How brutal of a watch must that game have been? Terrible.
2: Dante Fowler got benched because of one of his. I don't I don't think they keep him on the roster, by the way. I think he's making too much money to be a backup. Um, the other thing was Washington, excuse me, the Virginia taco holders. You like their uniforms. You did like their uniforms. Let's f- say something positive. They're fine. They're fine. <laughs> they're fine. Anyway, the Virginia taco holders, as a, I see their logo, it's not an original thought. Somebody brought this up, and I'm like, yeah, it does look like a taco holder. Those ones that you give at restaurants.
3: Oh, I see. You know what? I was just laughing just to like be a good co-host. Yeah. But like, or a good, good producer. (laughs) I totally see it now. Yeah. Now you can't get out of your head.
2: (laughs) But like, okay. So this team, and again, team of my childhood, nothing mattered more in my life than the Washington football team growing up. But I just, it is incredible. By the way, Carson Wentz. Uh what was he? He he threw for 74 yards. I want to get that correct. 74 yards. Um, again, riveting, you know, I'm I'm joking here, right? I'm being sarcastic. But it's one of these performances where again, all my buddies in DC immediately they're like, um, can uh can we get the kid to play? Can we get the kid to play? Wentz, 10 of 13 for 74, 5.7 yards per attempt. That's wonderful. Anyway, so so you know. The thing about Washington is everything that has happened with them over the course of, I don't know, a year, nine months, pick your, pick your parameter. It always, since last season, it, it's always off the field stuff with these guys. So forget about the name change and the regional change where it's like, oh, maybe we're going to Woodbridge, Virginia. Woodbridge, Virginia, for those who didn't grow up in that area. Not really what we consider the DMV, District Maryland, Virginia, that little pocket that we grew up in. That's fine. I love you, Woodridge, but, you know, it's different. Um, Then, of course, there's all the sexual misconduct allegations, first and foremost, about Daniel Snyder, worst human being alive, if I may say, um, who kidnapped this franchise from us all. That's the biggest headline of them all. Then there was the Jack Del Rio dust-up on January 6th. That whole kerfuffle. By the way, Kerfuffle Cash is on the show today. Then Sam Mills, strangely fired last week by Ron Rivera, former New Orleans Saint great at the linebacker, his buddy. Just not really an explanation to that. And then this reporter, I don't know if you saw this, this reporter, uh, and I forgot his name, so I apologize, but he aggressively, very aggressive sort of interview with Carson Wentz prior to this first preseason game against Carolina, where he's like, well, Carson... I'm paraphrasing. I won't get these exact words right. But essentially, the tone of the interview was, hey, man, uh, you know, Eagles didn't watch you. Colts didn't watch you. Is this your last chance, essentially? And Carson Wentz couldn't have been more gracious about it, by the way. He handled it very well with a smile on his face. Like, he deserves a lot of credit that he was just like, okay, well, these are tough questions, but I'll answer them. And then the, uh, the commander's president, who... I know it was friendly with, with some of our big weeks here at the network as well. Uh, What's his name? Jason Wright? Is that his name? I want to get that right. I should really uh, get names right here. Jason Wright, who is the—yeah, uh, Jason Wright, the commander's president. He, like, goes publicly bashing this reporter for, like, the nature of this interview. And Mike Florio wrote a piece. He's like, hey, look, uh, you, may, you may disagree with the way that this guy went on this interview, But those words that he used are subjective. It's subjective whether or not you thought this was too aggressive or not. And by the team president publicly coming out and saying, hey, man, you shouldn't you might, you know, basically threatening that this guy might be banned at some point. What you're doing is casting a poll on all reporters for wanting to ask tough questions, period. Can you argue with the way that the the, uh, interview went? OK, you can. But, but I agree with Florio. It's subjective for a team president to come out and complain about it. You, are you kidding me? That's what you're doing. He should have just kept his mouth shut. And then maybe on the side, gone to the reporter and be like, hey, could you do it this way? Maybe next time. But like everything about this team is off the field. And so that's what I guess what I'm saying to anybody who's bullish on this team. I, I don't know how you can do that so willingly. Where everything is a soap, everything is a soap opera thing, and it's never about what's on the field. And they do have good players, like on defense, right? You got all those Bama kids on the defensive line. There's a great defensive line of what is it? Sweat, Payne, Allen,
3: uh, Chase Young, and
2: Chase Young. Yeah. I mean it's a, it's it's phenomenal. They'd had a down season last year, but I wouldn't be surprised if that defense rose up again this year. Terry McLaurin is outstanding uh, on offense. But Carson Wentz is,
3: uh, you know, we'll see. I'm not buying it. But they're always a scrappy team, though. I think that was, like, the whole thing is if you'd go play in, like, when the Packers would play Washington, you'd think it'd be a win, but it's it, – they're, they're Washington's a very scrappy team, and they stay in games.
2: I'm just saying, as, as our own Michael Lombardi will tell you, like, distractions matter. And this team is team distraction. It's always something. Really, reporter can't ask tough questions? Maybe you quibble with the words and the way he went about it. Sure. But that's like an issue or the team—anyway. What, uh, what did you watch? Brian Ortega is here, ladies and gentlemen. It's his final day with us. He is Mr. Entertainment. Isn't that your official title, yep, Mr. Entertainment? The official,
3: official title now, yes.
2: So we want to take advantage of for a few yeah. minutes of what uh, Brian has uh, watched for us. What you, you forgot to tell us about, so you talked about Bullet Train last week, yeah. and about Prey, how yeah. one should have been—they were reversed. Prey should have been in the theater.
3: Right, and then Bullet Train could have been on Hulu yeah. and been fine. All right, what um, else did you watch? But I forgot to mention I watched Thirteen Lives on Amazon Prime. What is that? Uh, Ron Howard film, and it's about the um, the cave divers that went in and saved that uh, soccer team that got oh, stuck yes. in a I cave. Oh yes, I remember that story. Yeah, and I like I don't, I, I now I know how they filmed it, but they film like they actually had to build a set that was submersible, and then the actors who played. The, the guys, Vigo Mortensen and um, uh, Colin Firth, big names, they learned how to scuba dive, and they also learned how to do this sort of cave diving, and they did all their own stunts. Wow. So uh, it's fantastic. If you're claustrophobic, maybe don't watch it, but it's a, it's really an amazing story of how they got these kids out and how uh, they recommend it.
2: How long were those kids in that cave?
3: They were in for, I think, 10 days, maybe more than that.
2: And how did they survive down there? Just
3: um, So when they found them on, I think, like the uh, – like the fifth day, they found them, did the thing, oh, and they, they had, had figure out how to food. get them out. they gave them a lot of like high protein stuff and to, to keep their their energy levels up. And then they had to. It was it was a tough rescue. It's a it's a great film though. Would highly recommend it if you're interested. Cave in
2: divers, it. it's called.
3: Uh, it's called Thirteen Lives.
2: Oh, 13 Lives. Yeah,
3: but it's really good. I'd recommend it. It's well, on it's, Amazon Prime. It's on Amazon Prime. Yeah, you watch it whenever you want.
2: Uh, do you ever try to put yourself in other people's shoes and think how you would have uh, fared in that situation? Um,
3: I'm, I would not. It's good that these kids were um, one kids, yeah, and also uh, athletic because it was tight in there from what I saw. So I would, I would just say, guys, I'll see you at some point. It is, it
2: is really what you point out there is so true. The for all the, you know, downsides of being young, whatever downsides there are, right. I'd love to be young again, but I'm just saying whatever, whatever you have, the, you know, that adults are able to do that. You're not, you're right. There was something, there's something about that kind of thing. I, I've brought up on this show before when I was a teenager, I ran with the bulls in Spain. Right. And I think about, there is no chance on God's green earth that I could do that today. Right. Forget physically, but just mentally, like, wait, you want me to do what? But at, but when you're a teenager, You don't have like I don't know if you don't have like the mental capacity to think it through or whatever or realize the the consequences of your action of your actions. And these guys like I wonder if they truly understood the peril that they were in or does your youthful sort of outlook on life just take you through it. Whereas if you're an adult down there, you're probably
3: like, oh, my God, I'm a goner. You know, it's funny that you say that because one of the kids, the youngest one, from this is obviously a dramatization, but they've said on accounts that he was excited to be taken out. He was ready to go. He'd seen all the other kids do it, yeah. um, and he's like, I'm ready to go. He lifted up his arms. They put the whole the, – they strapped him in, and he was good to go. But, yeah, I think, like, the mental state of being, like, young, it, it helps in these type of situations.
2: I also watched uh, episodes five and six of Jeter, uh, the captain. Oh, yeah. uh, So one more episode to watch. I'm, I'm one episode behind. And again, I'll just say it again. I, I know a lot of people don't like, for whatever reason, have an ax to grind with Derek Jeter. It's probably because he's a Yankee, right? He probably was, yeah. he was a Yankee. But I have found all six of these episodes super entertaining. And I went into it thinking, oh, seven episodes for Jeter. Come on, that's too much. But as, so far, so good. Every one of them has been, again, a recollection of how great b- baseball was back then and just um, what he navigated as the biggest sports star in New York City during those years.
3: And remember, before the internet, like, if it's being a star before the internet is just a different level of stardom. He
2: said it. He said if there were cell phones and social media when he was, are you kidding me? You ever seen that graphic with all the people he's dated? It's one of the great graphics of all time. it's fantastic. Yeah. It's Hall of Fame level stuff, if I may say so myself. Um, Okay, we'll come back. JVT on the NBA. Paul Spore on Major League Baseball. Lots to talk about with Tatis and beyond. It's a numbers game at Visa, the sports betting network.
1: Gil Alexander on Veasan, the Sports Betting Network.
2: As mentioned, the Veasan College Football Guide is out now, and our NFL guide drops next week. Just put in my uh, predictions in there, by the way, on the spreadsheet. We will all—all all the Veasan uh, hosts will have Veasan hosts and beyond will have all their picks, conference, divisions, Super Bowl. Awards. Our experts provide profiles of every team in the guide with team trends, power ratings, and over-under recommendations, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Remember, the only way to get access, though, this year to the football betting guides, plural, is to become a Visa all-access subscriber. Sign up on our discounted football special and get all access to everything we do from now through the Super Bowl for only $175 or save 50% off the monthly price with an annual subscription and bet smarter all year long. Go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe for all your options and become part of the Sports betting network skill Alexander. We get tweets at beating the book, uh, New York mess 16. Oh, that's a very complimentary one. Thank you very much for the kind words, New York mess 16. Uh, and then Las Vegas, 14, uh, Washington taco holders equals so much drama. I know, man, we were just talking off air about it. Cause, uh, Santos, Matt Santos has been a Washington football team fan since Norv Turner. And so our experiences we were just talking about that, are so different I had the glory years before they sucked. He has only been <laughs> dealt a, be, a bill of goods. But eventually all that, off the, all that off the field stuff, it eventually seeps on the field. It does. And I don't even know about eventually. Let's talk some NBA. We haven't talked NBA in a long time. Let's do a, let's do a little bit of that with our senior NBA analyst, co-host of The Edge. It's Jonathan Von Tobel, everybody. How you doing, JVT?
5: I'm good. And also, you know, during that read, I couldn't help but think since you're a subscriber through the uh, Super Bowl, guess what else you get? The NBA guide, which I yes. may or may not have already started working on. So there you
2: go. <laughs> I'm going to lean May. Sounds yeah. like May.
5: Well, let's very, it's very tertiary work. But yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, let me let me just ask you this, because I've, I've sort of tried. I, you know, we talked about the NBA when all the that drama NBA is no short of soap opera stuff. Uh, a few weeks back. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to like not talk about the NBA for a little while until something actually happens. But I wanted to get into it today because it's like, okay, now it's KD to the Sixers. And I guess my question to you is, I mean, how how realistic do you do you believe that is at this point?
5: I, I don't think it's very realistic. And the thing that makes, that keeps me from thinking it is Gil is Remember that James Harden, he opted out of his contract because they knew they were going to get PJ Tucker. And that was part of the deal, right? Adding him, DeAnthony, Melton, Daniel house. Like there was a really clear plan here for the Philadelphia 76ers to assemble the team that they did in the offseason. You know, James Harden did what he did because he knew that this was going to happen. So that's what kind of gives me a little pause. I mean, there was a clear blueprint for what Philly wanted to do. I mean, they're being investigated for tampering for it. Right. So like, yeah. that's what they wanted. I, I find it very hard to believe believe that this would all of a sudden get blown up to a certain extent to add Kevin Durant, a Kevin Durant, by the way, who remember after James Harden was shipped off, it was widely reported. He was very unhappy with Harden and his conditioning (laughs) and his commitment (laughs) to play. Like there's just so many things that don't really make sense for me for that marriage that I really doubt that that thing's going to happen.
2: Kevin Durant unhappy. What are you talking about? So, uh, okay. So here's the other question then. If I'm a Philly fan or someone who has a Philly bet okay, this we're going to do this again. Am I, am I going to be happier? Like, if, if you're giving me truth serum, does the thought of Joel Embiid, KD, and James Harden together sound better to me? I know it does on a knee-jerk reaction, but if I stop and I think about it, does that sound better to me than having Tybal and having uh, Maxi? And having all these guys that are absolutely going to have to be shipped, right? That's it. Like, you are basically gutting your team besides the big three. What, What? I mean, it is KD, I get it, and you have this, oh my God, it's Embiid and KD. But honestly, by your basketball standards, what's a better basketball team in the end?
5: I, to me, it's the one that's constructed right now, right? Like I, I agree with you. And if you're looking at it from that sense, I mean, it's the same thing with Boston, right? And the, the rumors that they might go get him, well, then what do you have left? And when you're specifically looking at Philadelphia, I think they have done such a great job of acquiring the pieces that all complement one another. They needed defenders and they needed three point shooting. Well, they got two of them, right? They got PJ Tucker corner, three point specialist, and a very good defender. They got to Anthony Melton, the solid shooter and backup guard who can defend very well at the point of attack too. like the there's everything that they need on paper here. Daniel house can be a good three and D type of player for them. Like, I just think they constructed everything so well to fit together when it came to their depth and the players that they needed that when you're talking about shipping all of that off on top of draft assets, on top of, the mystery of what what happens in a year if this doesn't work out, they lose in the conference semifinals, oh, yeah, and Kevin that. Durant is mad again, yeah, right? Like, that's, 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 that's right. the other part about this. So, like, uh, to me, it just it doesn't make any sense in any way whatsoever. So I agree with you. Like, if you're looking at Philly currently constructed, for me, you know, constructing a lot of stuff for the guide and some writing to do up on the website, if you're going with the generic winners and losers article, I mean, Philly's at the top of the list of the winners because I think they did a tremendous job in this offseason. Mm-hmm.
2: So what's your gut tell you? KD stays with the Nets?
5: So I I'm not entirely sure. I mean, so I've gone back and forth on this. I've been in the camp so far the last like month or so that since everything calmed down, that he's going to be with Brooklyn, the recent demand and ultimatum that it's either me or them when it came to right the coaching staff, Sean Marks and, and, and uh, Steve Nash or Kevin Durant, it made me think that he's going to get moved. And like, I just, when you look around Gil, to me, there's only two teams that come up. If he's going to get moved, it is Toronto or it's New Orleans. Like I just keep kind of coming back to these two spots because yeah. they have the potential packages that they could offer, whether it's cornerstone pieces, we had Scotty Barnes or Brandon Ingram, respectively uh, draft assets for the both of them. Like, I just think that those two teams make the most sense if he's going to get moved. And I think Kevin Durant seems pretty dead set on making this as difficult as possible for Brooklyn. <laughs> and I would think that he's going to get moved. And if it's going to be the case, it's one of those two teams.
2: Yeah. Golden state would be the other, but, but it would be the same thing right? golden state doesn't want to gut right. their team. Um, though, I guess a good case could be made hey, let's just win as many championships as possible, but yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, okay. What have you, by the way, you said you started on the NBA guide. Have you learned anything surprising so far or what you've uh,
5: No, nothing much. I'll say this, you know, I, I think one of the things that we should look out for, and I was really surprised by the markets, um, I guess uh, like tentative belief in the Minnesota Timberwolves from a regular mm-hmm. season standpoint, you know, I made their win total above 50 And we're seeing to win totals as low as 47 and a half. If we're talking about championship roster, I think there's real questions to be had about what Minnesota does in a best of seven against a team like LA, for example, that can play five out and do some of the similar things that really wrecked the Utah jazz when Rudy Gobert was there. But if you're talking about winning in the regular season, uh, the Timberwolves are built to do it. And I think this is a team that is going to win 50 ish plus games. Tim BonTEMPS uh, on a recent podcast for ESPN. I think he put it really well. This is a better version of the Utah jazz right? Like it's Rudy Gobert who's going to help him out defensively. It's a bunch of high-end talent and Carl Anthony towns, Anthony Edwards. Don't forget. They went and got slow-mo from Memphis, Kyle Anderson. This is a legitimately good roster. And I think they're going to win a boatload of regular season games. I don't know how good they're going to be when you get to the playoffs. I think I'd stack quite a few teams ahead of them, but if you're talking about winning a bunch of games, finishing in the top three of the Western conference, Timberwolves got it. And Points been initially opened 49 and a half at a plus price to the over. And I thought that was kind of low. There's multiple 47 and a halves out there. And I think that's the one big takeaway from the early research is that there's going to be some value in backing them from a win total standpoint, because I've got them projected to win quite a few
2: games. You loved them last year too, right?
5: Yeah, I had them preseason to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, they think it was in range of like seven to one or eight to one, somewhere like that. And, yeah. you know, like that's kind of they're They've been on this track. And I think like Detroit's kind of one of those teams, too, where you can see the building blocks, right, in, in terms of the trajectory going up, the market not really catching up. Detroit's also one of those things that unearthing and looking around win totals, you know, their win total is only 28 and a half. So the market's asking them to win just five, uh, six more games than they did last year. And remember, in the last 24 games, they went 10 and 14. And while that might not seem like a lot, uh, that was nearly 50% of their wins that they got over the last 24 games. Like, they showed some real growth down the stretch uh, last year, the Pistons did, and they got better in the offseason. So those are two teams that I think I've circled to kind of back. If the market's going to be low on those two teams as you get into the season, I'm going to position myself to kind of back on regularly.
2: Okay. before we go, uh, people should know if they don't know already, JVT is a... uh eclectic or just diversified portfolio of sports fanhood he's an angels fan in baseball he's a colts fan in football my my condolences on the angels once again our annual condolences to you john um shohei if he hits he's got 26 homers let's say he hits 35 uh he has 157 strikeouts he's already eclipsed his number from last year if he gets the 200 if he goes 200 strikeouts and 35 homers is he really not the mvp
5: I uh, look, uh, you're uh, uh, I love Shohei Ohtani. I think he is like the most valuable player if you're actually talking about pure value to a team. Uh, I think he is. Uh, but it does seem there is some sort of fatigue around Otani for some reason. And for me, Gil, the, the crazy part is it is not being like talked about enough. He's gotten better as a pitcher. Yes. That's the thing. Right? Yes. It's not even that he's doing the same thing as last year. He is way better than he was a season ago. So I say yes, like it, but again, people are going to look at it and say, oh, they're not winning enough games. He's not doing enough. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, if you're talking about pure value to a team, what is this squad without him? Because he has been dragging them by the seat of their pants as much as he possibly can. I would say he is
2: Perfect. fatigue. You Remember when fatigue used to be like three years into it? Oh, you won three MVPs. I'm tired. No, with Shohei, apparently it's only one. They get fatigued. Uh, And then your Colts. Uh, We just had humans on your buddy and your co-host at the edge. Uh, He has the Colts 25 to 1 to win it all uh, for various reasons, one of which is pretty easy division. Where do you stand on your Colts this year?
5: I've got him at 30 to one, nice. uh, and I would agree with that sentiment. But although I say this, I know it's preseason, but when I see Matt Ryan with an average attempt to target of four yards and averaging just <laughs> five yards per attempt, yes. I get a little nervous. But I think one of the things underrated about him really quickly, watch out for them defensively. I, they, they are really good up front. That Yannick Ngakwe, Pay, DeForest Buckner, I think they're going to be a really big threat in the AFC.
2: And of course, Darius Leonard, right? Top of the yep. list. Of yep. Shaquille Leonard. Yes. Yeah. Jonathan von Change his name, Jonathan von Everybody, at me JVT. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Good to talk to you, man. Thank you, Jonathan von our senior NBA analyst, of course, as well. Coming back with Paul Sporer on baseball next. Numbers game, Visa, the sports betting network.
0: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury, with a reveal unlike any other.
5: A numbers game with Gil Alexander on FeastN, the Sports Betting Network.
2: BetMGM, the King of Sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets and risk-free tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas, well, you can also convert your Bet MGM points into MGM rewards points that you can use towards dining, shows, and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM resorts properties located on the Las Vegas strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards, Sports Betting's premier loyalty program featuring exclusive offers incredible experiences and valuable perks when you wager on the betmgm app sign up with betmgm or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with betmgm rewards eligibility restrictions apply visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions must be 21 years of age or older to wager please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER skill alexander uh still to come this month on the show am i allowed to talk about uh, things that are coming up this month brian is that permitted yes no no yes? i mean Okay. We'll see what happens. Sure. Ask for later. Um, uh, we have uh, some interesting guests. Uh, Joe Pita will be here to talk about uh, profit, which is um, sort of like Betfair, right? It's a sports betting exchange that is going to start in the states of New Jersey and Indiana. He's mentioned it on previous appearances, so uh, we'll do that later this month. I think it's the, the day of the Northwestern Nebraska game is when that will be sort of the first big moment of that. So we'll see how that goes. Again, all kinds of new things in sports betting on the horizon. So Joe Pita will be here to talk to us about that. And then I did a podcast 11 years ago. Yes, I was podcasting 11 years ago, I know. Something's wrong with me. But uh, one of the podcasts I did back in the day was a book had just come out called Gaming the Game. I don't know if you uh, remember that book, but it was written by a gentleman named Sean Patrick Griffin. It is the, to this day, the biggest really source material for the entire Tim Donahue scandal, um, the sports betting scandal in the NBA with uh, disgraced NBA referee Tim Donahue. And so 11 years later, and we've we've had Tim on the, uh, excuse me, we've had Sean Patrick Griffin on the show uh, a few times since then. And, um, we're going to do a podcast on the beating the book side with Jimmy Batista, one of the uh, the huge figures in that case. He was a big—he's on the gambling side getting Tim Donahue's tips through those years. So we're doing a beating the book podcast, Sean Patrick Griffin, uh, Jimmy Batista, and I. And then we're going to have uh, Sean Patrick Griffin on a numbers game also to talk about. It. And the reason that it's coming up again is because we have another show that is going to talk about the Donahue scandal. Untold is the name of the series— uh, it's going to air at the end of August, and once again, it doesn't appear as though these documentaries are going to get it right. Ultimately, ult- ultimately, this gets into a he-said-he-said he said thing. Uh, that's how all of these things about Donahue sort of end up coming across as, and it's not a he-said-he-said he said thing, as Gaming the Game just laid out so many years ago. So we'll have that uh, coming up later in the month as well. Um, let's see. Do, 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 Oh, you I see what you're saying here. Uh, you want, uh, you want me to share something with you, Brian? Is that what's happening here while we're doing it? Okay. He's like, sure. I would like you to share something with me. Okay. So we're passing that along here as we effort, uh, as we effort Paul Spore to talk, uh, baseball. By the way, that of course was the, uh, was the big news after we left air on, um, on Friday, the big news Friday night, Fernando Tatis. Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, eighty game suspension for once again violating the Major League Baseball uh, performance enhancing drugs, or I should say the, the the PED policy that is in place and has been in place for many many years. Eighty games um, rocked really Friday afternoon. Twenty three years old, superstar shortstop emerging as one you know had been emerging as one of the faces of the sport only days away from coming back from the wrist injury that had sidelined him all season Padres on the heels of the, the blockbuster trade for Juan Soto of the nationals previously with the nationals at the trade deadline. And it was like, and we're getting Tati's junior back. Oh my God, this is going to be awesome. Um, And then this, and we bring in Paul Spore from FanGraphs, of course, uh, sleeper on the bus podcast and twitch.tv slash Uh Pauly, thanks for joining us. Sorry about the delay in getting to you. But this was, this was the major 22. news. And I guess, good morning. And I guess the question is simply this. Is this the difference, in your opinion, between the Padres? Because all the teammates, while sort of publicly saying, yeah, we're not cool with this. On the other hand, they're sort of circling the wagons. They're like, ah, we got the players we want. We're going to do this. But in your opinion, is is this really the difference between them being a super live contender and not?
6: Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I don't believe Prowler when he says he didn't know until the, the day it came out. Yeah. There's there's no real history for that. So I think they got Soto knowing this. Um, they might have they been in the appeal process to where they could have gotten Tatis back. So maybe it was one of those where it's like, hey, we could be pairing these two together, but we're getting a superstar right now because we're about to not get our big superstar back. So I think they set themselves up to where, hey, we think we can win with this team. They're not the favorites. The Dodgers are still the favorites, obviously, on paper, and, of course, with a giant 16-game lead right now. Um, but even if they, they face in the playoffs, I think the Padres uh, are going to be the underdogs. But they can still hang here. This team is still good enough with Soto essentially replacing Tatis. They've done all of this without Tatis anyway. So I definitely think that the Padres still believe that they can hang here. Uh, you see some of the disappointment that's coming out, both from the from the players and from somebody like Preller. Uh, they're kind of over his stuff. He's made a lot of bad decisions off the field, like the motorcycle stuff, and now this. Uh, we're starting to get a little bit of a pattern here. Where uh, can we really trust Tatis to make the right decisions to be a true superstar?
2: Yeah, Padres right now the number two wild card team in the National League. Remember, three get to the postseason but they are tied in the loss column with the team that is actually on the outside looking in the Milwaukee Brewers so it is dicey with a little more than a quarter of the season left. Let me just ask you this also. The Dodgers lost yesterday. Had they okay. won, had they won, they would have upped their record in the last 40 games to 35 and 5. <laughs> Thirty-five and five. Instead, they settle for 34 and six. Now, for those of a certain age, 35 and five, do you know what that conjures up? I knew where
6: you are going. Yes. Oh, you know exactly that I know where that's going. Maybe that's the Tigers. Yes.
2: I know you would know because that's your team. So 1984, the year that the Tigers win the World Series, they started out of the gates, 35 and five. And this was, Mm -hmm. you know, massive news. Oh, my God, 35 and five. I kind of feel like, like, are, are we at the point where the Dodgers are completely underappreciated?
6: Yes. Yes. It, 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 it's, it's the fatigue thing. It, it's part of the today's culture. I, I'm not going to make it a whole thing. I'm like, oh, we need to get off our phones or whatever. No, no. But it, it's, the, it's the everything new, move on to the next thing type of culture. We're seeing it with, with Otani as, as potential MVP. Nothing against Judge, but I, I can't be convinced that anybody's more valuable than someone who's an elite pitcher and elite hitter. Dodgers have been around the block for a while now, so the fatigue is setting in where it's like ho hum, we just expect them to be brilliant. But a thirty four and six run is always amazing. amazing. I'm so, I don't care what team you build, that's incredible. And but yeah, I do think it's just kind of like we're used to the Dodgers, so we don't always give them their shine on things. And I know Dodger haters will be like, Oh, they get plenty of shine, but I mean, this should be lauded. 34-6 and is a brilliant run at any 40-game sample.
2: Yeah, I I totally agree, and I really feel like a lot of it has to do because the Yankees got so hyped that we just, like, it took us away from the the shiny object that was really the shinier object of the two. By the way, I always do this. I'm, I'm like, I'm so curious where they stack up. Uh, Record-wise, against the uh, 2001 Mariners, the 2001 Mariners of 116 wins. By the way, eventually, Dodgers 79 and 34. At this point in the season for the Mariners, oh no, the Mariners were better. Mariners would have a three-game lead right now over the Dodgers. Wow, three-game lead. Yeah. But that, hey,
6: that, that's that's something they could make up. Like the Dodgers oh, yeah. could make that up and and keep keep attacking here. And, You know, the thing of it is they don't even have the pedal to the metal for for reasons beyond their own control with Bueller out uh, on the 60-day IL and Kershaw out recently with the back. So they don't even have their two best pitchers. They don't have the pitching depth of previous years. We never really know. He's been great, but it's it's in sporadic innings, so we don't really know how trustworthy he is. They've got some issues on this team, and yet they're still doing it. So they've even kind of upped the degree of difficulty by tying a hand behind their back and still – being as great as they've been. And like, listen, I'm sorry, I know people get tired of the Dodgers, but you gotta respect the greatness, you really do.
2: All right, 60 seconds, Paul, your favorite bet of the day and your DFS plays.
6: So as far as bet of the day, I have not been able to check DFS. I was trying to figure out my Skype stuff for this call. We were supposed to be on Skype. And it wasn't letting me change any settings. So for bet of the day, let me get Kyle Bradish here against the O's. I'm going to go another, uh, you know, contrarian play and underdog on the road with the O's. I know they've been playing so well. If we were on video, you would see I'm wearing my O's hat, so people would think I'm just being a homer. But uh, <laughs> I am going to support them here. The Jays, first off, Toronto, not as difficult to park with the Humidor, and they haven't been as good at home. They're still a scary offense, but Kyle Bradish and the O's, I think, can go in there and get a win. I like them as a, as a road dog into Toronto
2: today. All right. And, and and cheap DFS pitcher of the day would be?
6: Let's just go with Bradish. Let's double down. Let's go with Bradish. It's okay. going to be a contrarian play. Okay.
2: Paulie, thank you. Appreciate it. Glad we could hook up. Thanks, Gil. Take care. Paul Spore. everybody, on Twitter, at Spore S-P-O-R-E-R. Michael Lombardi is next with the Lombardi Line right here at VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Enjoy.